Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you feeling? Good. It's good to see you. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, we have been uh, quarantined in our house, and uh, if, if we have a, all of our videos right now are of me doing sermons online. So um, my wife is excited that she's not the only one who has to listen to me this morning, because usually I'm just staring at her, and so if she falls asleep, it's, it's you know, like 0%, right? Um, but man, it's great to be down here. We got lots of friends in this church, lots of family, so it's, it's exciting to be down here, even if I'm looking at masks. I, I get it. You, you got to be safe. Um, so what I want to do this morning, and actually before this, I just got to talk about these lovely people up here. This is my, this is my family, my wife, Anna, who's here, and then our three kids, uh, my son, Cole, over there to the right, making the, well, actually, they're all making facial expressions. I didn't realize that. I was going to make the facial expression. All the way that I uh, have my arm around, that's Cole. He's six. Uh, we have two birthdays to celebrate this week. So if you think about it, it's just, you know, say a quick prayer for Chase and Camilla. Chase's birthday is on the 21st. He's going to be turning five this week. And then my little baby girl, my heart, my world. I love my boys, but I love my girl. Uh, she's going to be turning three this week. So we got two birthdays to celebrate. We're doing two different birthday parties. We're those parents, right? We're those parents. We're like, we saw it necessary to do two different birthdays on days apart. So on Friday, we're celebrating Chase. And I think we're doing superhero something, right? Something like that. And then Camilla, we're doing a unicorn party. Wow. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. Um, so... Here's, what my, here's my goal this morning. Here's what I want to share with you, and uh, hopefully I do well. And I want to say a big thank you to, to, to Pastor Faye and uh, Pastor Bruno for having me down here. It, is I want to share with you one simple truth, not just folks here, but folks watching on the live stream, what's going on. Um, the, the, the simple truth is this. You can always count on God. You can always count on God. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 19, uh, starting in verse 1. We're going to go down to verse 10. No, it's stopping in the middle of that passage, but, man, there's a lot to unpack uh, in this passage. And uh, I want to make sure that we, we, we get as much as we can out of these ten verses. But the simple truth is you can always count on God. I'm going to start reading. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than they are gold. Are they than gold, even much fine gold? Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Man, I love this passage. I don't know about you because it's such a great reminder of how great God is and, and on the good that he has done. And not just that, but it's also a great reminder of how necessary his word is. Let me ask you a question. How have you been coping with the last five months? How have you been dealing with the, the, the change in circumstance, the, how our world has kind of shifted and we've been faced with this new circumstances. Have you been, you know, trying to keep on with your regular day-to-day -day and in spite of it, have you been able to, 
<laughs> no, not, that's over. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how you've been dealing with it. Some folks, like, I mean, and unfortunately, and being sensitive that some of us, we've, we've dealt with it. We, we've had, it's come with, um, uh, with, with health problems. It's come with our own uh, health being compromised. It's come with financial uh, disparity. And for some, I've, I've had college students I've been in contact with that they're like, Dane, I'm bored. I, I, don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. What, what, what do I do with my time? And me and my wife were talking about this last night that we have about like five or six different friends for, via Facebook that we see have just taken up gardening. Everybody's a gardener now. <laughs> they're like, Dane, you want, some, you want some tomatoes? I'm like, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess we'll eat a salad this week. I mean. Sure. You know, like, so how, how have you been, uh, been dealing with the last five months? I, I would, you know, um, one thing that's popular amongst, you know, young people that they've been doing is binge watching. How, how many of you have binge watched the, the whole Netflix library over the last five months? Reggie, put your hand down. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know what you've done. I don't know what, what, how it's been. I, for me, you know, initially when uh, I was really excited about watching this series that came on ESPN, called The Last Dance. It was about this guy, you may have heard of him, he was an okay basketball player, nothing special. His name's Michael Jordan. Yeah, you heard of him? He's okay, right? <laughs> Did a couple things. Him and the Looney Tunes beat uh, Monstars from Outer Space. Best basketball game ever, right? So, you know, they, they had this whole series about The Last Dance, and I, I missed the initial push of it. I was trying to finish up grad school and uh, finish up seminary, so I, I missed it. I told myself I wasn't going to watch it until it came on Netflix later in the summer. So I, I, I haven't watched the whole thing. I've seen the first episode. And here's what I realized from watching it, is that I thought I was a Michael Jordan fan growing up, but I realized that he won his first championship when I was two. He won his last when I was nine. Yeah, I wasn't a Jordan fan. I missed it. I, I didn't understand what's going on. Like, I know him as being in Space Jam because I had the, I had the pajamas, you know? <laughs> Don't front on my Space Jam pajamas. Those, I was looking clean, going to bed, 8.30 bedtime. What you know about it? Um, but yeah, no, so like, I, I didn't get it. But one, one, there's one thing that I did get to, because my, um, my dad is a huge sports buff. And uh, it's funny, like, my, my stepdad is really big in North Carolina. My, my, my biological dad, he's really into Georgetown. So both of them, I've heard this story millions of times from two different scenarios, from, uh, from, from who won and who lost. So in 1982, um, there was uh, the national championship game for, for college basketball that year. It was the largest crowd to ever watch a basketball game at that time. It took place in the Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. About 60,000 people watched this game. And this game was significant for a couple of reasons. One, this was the first time that the world kind of got to see Michael Jordan be Michael Jordan. It also was significant because this was the, the, like one of the only times in history that five guys who would become Hall of Famers were all playing in the same game at the same time. You know, and it, it was like Patrick Ewing, if you've heard the name, and uh, one of my dad's favorite players, Eric Sleepy Floyd, was in this game. And it, there was this, all these, this stardom uh, happened. And it was a close game. It was a fantastic game. It came down to the wire, last uh, shot type of situation. And here's what happens. Coach Dean Smith of North Carolina draws up a play, and he doesn't draw up the play for the best player on the floor at the time, who was this guy who went by the name of James Worthy. He drew up the play for his rookie. You know who his rookie was? Michael Jordan. And long story short, Jordan makes the shot, he becomes Jordan, and later on they asked Coach Dean Smith, why did you draw up the play for your rookie? You had the best player, the national player of the year, he, he had the most points in the game, and he was saying, well, James was the obvious choice. 
all the attention and everybody would think he would be the solution to the problem. That, that, that's where all the attention would go to. But Michael's been reliable this whole season. He's made every shot that we've needed him to make. He was prepared for this moment. And he was, he was going to work in this situation even if anybody didn't expect it. Why well, I tell you this story? One, because I'm not allowed to use a lot of sports analogies when I preach just to my wife on a camera. And two, because I think it's a perfect picture of how we interact with God. We expect God to, you know, when we have issues or we go through something uh, that like happens like, like coronavirus where we are expecting God to just end it and, and do something and, and just take out the obvious answer and the obvious way that he, uh, you know, uh, solves things. And that's not what God does. I don't know how many times we, you've had an issue, but I know in my life, when there's been a problem, when there's been an issue, and I've been expecting God, like, God, I, here's my prayer request, and here's the solution. You just do it. Like, here's your, you know, I'm, I'm just, like, I'm ordering something. Like, here's what I need you to do. You just do it. And God says, Dane, I, thank you for telling me your problem, but I got this. I'm God. You've always been able to count on me. I knew the problem was going to happen before you did. Don't you think I know the solution? Don't you think I know the way to, to work this out for my glory and your good? And, and I just want us to, to put that in front of us as we go back through this passage because God has been someone that we can always count on. He's always been reliable. He's always been present. He's always been there. We can count on God. And how do we know that we can count on God? Because he has revealed himself. We call this divine revelation. And, and divine revelation takes two forms, general revelation and special revelation. The first six verses that we just read in uh, uh, Psalms uh, 19, is, uh, it, it points to the general re revelation of God. It, it, it consists of that of which all people everywhere can know about God, even if they have no access to Scripture. I mean, think about it. Anybody everywhere, any world religion would point to the creation and, and, and they would point to, uh, you know, the things that we love and we look at it and we see the sky, we see around the world. They'll point to some type of deity creating those things. You don't have to believe in the Christian God to believe that God created everything, right? In fact, uh, Romans chapter 2 says this, uh, 14 through 16, th uh, that our moral conscience uh, let us know that we are accountable to the creator. It says, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. I'm going to read that again. They show that the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So, so, so the idea there is that even if people don't have an understanding of Jesus, even if there's an inkling on each and every one of our hearts, the moment that we're born, that there is a hole in us, that there is something that's, that we're longing to connect with us to the God of the universe, that we're missing something. It's like kind of the conscious. It's that. It's why I don't have, oh, she's not there anymore. Why I don't have to teach my two-year-old not to hide things. You know, like the, the, there's this, this sense of right and wrong, and it's, it's longing to connect with a better understanding and a saving knowledge of Jesus. You don't have to be saved to have this. Similarly, creation itself testifies to the existence of, uh, of the one who made all things for his glory. Romans 1, 19 to 21, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his individual attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived 
ever since the creation of the world in the things that he that have been made. So they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So here's what I want to do. Just uh, taking back to our, uh, to our first six verses in, in Psalms 19, I, I want to talk about why we can count on God. I'm just going to give you a couple, like, three points about why we can count on God. And, and um, first one is this. God has an amazing resume. He's got an amazing resume. I don't know if you've been outside lately. I mean, I don't know if you've been around our region. Have you ever, I'm not a huge outside guy. You can ask my wife and my friend Reggie over here that I, I would, I, I believe that God would not have created inside if he wanted, you know what I'm saying, if he wanted to be outside all the time. But I, and my favorite way to experience outside is through a, a nice Windex window. You know what I'm saying? Like I like to, we love going to the beach and my wife and my kids, they like to be on the beach. I like to be on the balcony of the beach and like, man, that's beautiful down there. There it is, sand in all its glory. I just hate sand. Anybody else hate sand? Yeah, you will inherit the kingdom of God. You know what I'm saying? It's just horrible. God said he's going to count the, the sand of the beach, right? Doesn't mean I need to go count it for him, you know? I, I'm, that's just where I'm at. Anyways, that's not the point. What is the point is Psalm 19. God has an amazing resume. Back to the passage in verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. God has been revealed perfectly in his creation. This is, this, this is the idea of general revelation that we can see God. Tony Evans says it like this. He says, nature preaches a sermon of God's glory. Think about what it said in the verse. It's his handiwork, the idea of God's great power, just like a, a master craftsman or, or, a, or a painter or, or someone that would create something so beautiful or so amazing. This is God at his work and his handiwork. Elsewhere in um, Psalms in chapter 8, verse 3, it says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of him, human beings that you care for them? How do we know that we can count on God? Because he has an amazing resume. Look at the world around you. Like if the same God that created the world that we live in, that he cares and he, he, we can rely on him, that, he, that he's, not somebody, he's not just some newbie that doesn't know what he's doing. God created all of this, and we're going to return to that idea in a second. How else can we know we count on God? He speaks to us. Did you know that God speaks? Verse 2 through 4, day to day he pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. These verses speak to God's mode of communication and revelation. It's not with words, but rather it's what he's created for us to observe. Let me ask you a question. What's the most beautiful thing you've seen in nature? Again, I told you I'm not a big nature guy, but, but, but there is one instance in my life where I can point to that, that this was God speaking to me based on what I was observing. I was 10 years old. Um, my, I come from a Jamaican family. Uh, my grandfather moved, uh, moved to Jamaica when he was in his 50s, hasn't lost 1% of his accent. Um, he's been here for a long time, and he still, um, and, and he still has a full uh, on uh, Jamaican accent. And when I was 10, um, he took me, and get this, I, I couldn't make this up, he took me to visit our relatives in Alaska. That's right. Jamaicans live in Alaska, y'all. It's all just, it's, it's not cool runnings, I know. Ah, yeah, all right. Yeah, so we went to go visit my, I had cousins in Alaska, and one of the days while we were out there, we went whale watching. Anybody got a chance to go whale watching? It, it's it's the, like one of the most exciting six hours of your life, right? No, it is not. It is, it is not. It's a lot of, 
look on starboard's, I don't know, look on this side of the boat. And it would just be like a fin, maybe, you know, or just a really high wave. Or look on this side of the boat, there's, there's some seals. It was just six hours of that. At one point, I just leaned my head up against the window and said, I'm going to look this way. And if something pops up this way, I'll be seeing it. If not, it is what it is. So it was just six hours of that until we were headed back to the dock where we left. And on the way back, there were two hunchback whales, maybe about 400 yards away from our boat, that were breaching and jumping high up in the air. And it was in this moment where, like I said, this was God speaking to me because I, I'm recognizing, like, wow, like, this is, this, is, this is majestic. This is amazing. Also, this is scary. Like, the, 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 this whole trip seems stupid because, like, if, if these things are that big and they're jumping that high, who am I that they're not mindful of me? You know, just changing the passage around. Like, like, this, like I, I'm on this boat, and, and, and these things could end everything right here, right now. And, 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 and this is like in these moments where I'm like, I, I remember thinking, okay, if, if, if God made these things, then, then who is this God that's able, to, that, that's able to create things and who's able to see this? And I just, it just speaks to our idea that God speaks to us, that we should be able to look around, as believers especially, we should be able to look around and see what he's done and recognize that he created these things. You ever think about that, like how creative God is? You know, that how, how these big you know, behemoth of animals, like just these, these like tractor trailer size of animals can jump out of the water, right? And, and I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, but I guess it's worth going outside every once in a while to, 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 <laughs> to check it out. Why else can we count on God? Because every watch has a watchmaker. Verse 5 through 6, uh, actually, we'll start in verse 4. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. Verse 5, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So I'm not a huge watch guy, but I have a few. Uh, one of my favorites is one from my watch. She got it from Guess, and, and, and I, I love this watch. And, and here's the thing about that watch. All I ever did was receive it. I, I did no contribution to it. I mean, the people that guess, they, 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 you know, they, um, they, they designed it. They painted it. They formed the mechanism to make it work. Uh, they even installed the battery. All I did was, uh, was receive it. Looking back at those passages, there's a, a watch that we all benefit from. It's called the sun. And guess what? God designed it. He painted it. He, he made the mechanism. He made it work. He made this fireball that never burns out. And what's even more important than that is that he positioned us. You ever heard this before? That if we were to go any farther away from the sun, what would happen? We'd all freeze. What would happen if we went any closer? We'd all burn alive. And, and, and God and his, and just his mindfulness of us and his love and his care for us, that he put us in that position. And, and, and that's how we know that we can count on him. I mean, think about it. like there's there's so many intellectuals and, and scientists that you know just say, oh yeah, the sun just just showed up one day, but just think about it. But they all wear a watch, right? <laughs> they all wear a watch, and they recognize that watch was made by somebody. In the same way for us, every time that that, that we see that that the things that we depend on, the jeans that we wear was made by somebody, the shoes that we wear was was made by somebody. It, all these things we got to remember that that as we operate on the sun first and foremost, right? Like, when, when we know when it's morning, we know when it's evening. Same way that we wear a watch. There's a watchmaker. And, and God is the one who set all these things into motion. That's how we know we can count on him. After opening with the idea of general revelation, David moves on to, 
talk about special revelation. And special revelation consists of the written and living word of God. In it, God reveals who he is and what he has done and what he requires. He has revealed himself especially to us. And these verses speak to how we can count on God. So now we're moving from why. And, and now it's like, how does it play out? What does this look like in our day-to-day life? First way is this. In, in verse 7, we see that we need to allow his law to be enough for us. We need to allow God's law to be enough for us. And in verse 7, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. When we think about his law, we think about his teaching. We think about his direction. We think about his instruction in that it lacks nothing. That's the idea of perfect. God's law is it, it's perfect. Everything you need to know to be what God expects you to be is, in fact, already been revealed in God's word. You think about that? Like, everything that you need to know to be who God's called you to be is already revealed in his word. And, and, and how hard is it for us to live in that? I mean, we will allow culture in, in social media, in the shows that we watch, in the music that we listen to, to inform who we are, to develop our personalities, to develop our character. And when the only thing that we really need, everything that we need to know, I'm not saying that we don't get influenced by our culture, but we need to be influencers in our culture, right? But at the same time, everything that we need to know to be who God's called us to be is revealed in his word. Because his law is perfect. It's complete. It's flawless. What if we fixed our lives to that? What if we said, God, like, who you're calling me to be, who you want me to be, who you were developing me to be in my life, that it's already revealed in this word. Help me to not live outside of this. The, the dad that you want me to be is revealed in your word. The husband you want me to be is revealed in this word. The, the wife, the, the teacher, the the. Uh, the Etc. Like whatever, I don't know. Whatever God has called you to be, it's already revealed in his word. We can definitely look and live as if God's law isn't perfect enough for us. But we need to fix our lives to it because it's already been revealed in his word. How else, do we, do we, uh, how else can we count on God? We allow our choices to be informed by his word. We allow our choices to be informed by his word. In verse 7, um, again, it says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, rejoicing the heart. That word testimony, it's, it speaks to, to bear witness. And, and for a lot of us, if you've been saved for a while, you've probably at some point in time shared your testimony. Or if you haven't, I at least encourage you to write it out maybe in a journal so you can t- just see for yourself and, and even like hear yourself writing it down. Or uh, I guess not hearing, but just seeing yourself writing down what, what, what God has done in your life. And, and so you can have that at least the, the share your testimony with yourself and then preparing you to share it with the people around you. That's the least that you can do is to share with others around you what God has done in your life. That's all that God's called us to do, right? How many times did Jesus tell uh, the people that he, uh, he healed and says, you know, he's either said, hey, don't go tell anybody, or what we just say instead, hey, go tell what I've done for you, right? So the testimony of the Lord um, uh, that we see here is that, bear, that it's to bear witness. And this is what God is saying is his testimony. This is bearing witness to the divine author, that this is the testimony of God making himself known. I mean, sure, I went to, I went to vacation Bible school just like you. I went to you know, camp and stuff like that. And, and I've heard a million times that Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But we have to remember, we have to value God's word as this is God's testimony. This is God saying, you want to know who I am? I'm here. At essential, God's word is a book about God. This is, this is, this is, this is him making himself known. He's saying, like, I need you to know more of me. And, and, we, and we can't do that unless we spend time in it. 
This is God giving the testimony. This, this is an autobiography. I'm married to an English teacher. An autobiography is when someone writes about themselves, right? Thank you. Mm. Um, th- that's what this is. So we need to evaluate it as such. So we allow our choices to be informed by his word. In verse 9, it says, um, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. This, the, the idea of rules is that it, can, it conveys the, his judicial decisions. Here's my question for you. How do you judge what's right and what's wrong? Like, well, what's the measuring stick? We can be assured that anything that, that comes from the supreme judge on earth is right and it's true. I mean, what, what if his word, what if what God judges is right is what, what's wrong is, is what we use as the, as the measuring stick? I know for us, like, there's some things that are culturally acceptable that isn't acceptable in God's word. Am I right about that? I mean, it's, it's hard in 2020 sometimes. Like, you have conversations sometimes, and it's like, I hear where you're coming from, but I mean, I, I got to trust God's word because he ain't been wrong yet. And, and, and culturally, I, it may be uncomfortable, and we can work through these things. We can prayerfully, and I, and I can show empathy, but at the same time, God's word is what's right. I mean, like, you, you hear where I'm coming from with that? Like, sometimes, like, we, the, the other approach is that, hey, listen, God's word is what it is. Deal with it or get lost. I, I don't know what to tell you. But, but we can kind of just, you know, just lean into people sometimes like, hey, listen, I, I hear where you're coming from. And, and, I, and I respect your point of view. And I know culturally this may be what it is. But, but this is God's word. This is, this is what he says. And, and I would love to talk with you more about this. I would love to help you to see this. But, but this is his word. And this is what I'm going to trust is right. We allow our choices to be informed by his word. And finally, we allow his word to lead us, especially through dark times. Verse 8 says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So the idea of precepts is, is orders, it's, it's statutes, it's, it's, it's a charge. And the question is, what's your GPS? What's leading you? Like, on my way here, I've done this drive a million times from Baltimore down this way. And I, even still, like, I, I punched in my GPS just in case there was a secret passway that could get me from, from Baltimore to Waldorf in five minutes. I thought it would be great. Surprise, uh, Pastor Faye, that I was on time, you know, which didn't happen. But I, just in case. And the idea is, like, what's leading you? What are you using as the guide to get you to where you need to go? And for a lot of us, even as believers, that well, we will kind of, we've kind of trusted Jesus and asked him to get in the car with us, but we've never asked him for directions. Like the Bible looks a lot better on our dashboard than actually open to guide us to where we're going. It's more of a fixture. I heard this term the other day I thought was cool. It's this idea of a bumper, uh, a bumper sticker Christian to where the only thing that people know that you're a Christian is because it's behind you. It's something that you drag with you a lot instead of leading you. No one ever puts a bumper sticker on the front. And, and, and the idea of it is that we need God's word to lead us, especially through these uh, dark times. And, and the uh, idea of commandments is orders, rather divine orders. And the question is, what is providing you light in the dark times? How do you handle the tough stuff? And, and what is being said here by David is that the commandments of the Lord is pure. It's enlightening the eyes. So when it's dark outside, when, when, when even in your life, in your tough time, for us, me and my wife, we've had a tough, uh, uh, we've had a tough summer. I mean, we've, uh, uh, my wife's grandfather died in July. I just lost an uncle uh, two weeks ago when we did the funeral yesterday. Side note, 
I, I showed up to the funeral yesterday, and the, and the minister that they hired to do the funeral didn't show up. So guess who did their first funeral for their uncle with no notice? It's been a, it's been a tough 10 days. And I don't know how I would even be standing here right now if it had not been for God in his, his grace and his mercy and his word. And that's not pastor talk. That's, this is real talk. Not that pastors don't say real talk. That's, that's a bad connotation. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Bruno. Don't listen to that part. Um, like, but I'm, just, I'm just telling you. You get what I'm saying? Like, this, is, this is just for me. This is, like, I'm, I'm saying this not because I'm supposed to, but this is how I really feel. Like, like this, this is what I'm experiencing. That like, you know, like uh, 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 maybe like a, a week or so ago, I, I w- just felt God wake me up in the middle of the night and say, Dan, it's time to get on your knees and it's time to spend some time in his word because it's going to get rough in the next couple days. And it's okay that it's going to be rough because I'm going to lead you through this. I'm going to enlighten your eyes, but come spend some time with me because this is how you're going to make it through the tough stuff. And I just want to encourage you that, that the way that we count on God, with the way that it looks like, the way that it plays out is is we allow his word to lead us, especially through the tough stuff. I don't know about like, what's your go-to when, when times get hard. Do you, do, do you isolate yourself? Do you, do, do you limit the people that you're in connection with? Do you, you know, turn to food? Do you turn to something negative, to, to substance abuse? I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm not familiar with all of you, but I just know for me that, that I can allow myself to just get bogged down and I can just stress about it. Just stress myself into a stupor where I, I, I can't function. And God has just been reminding me that, hey, Dane, like, I, I can't, I got plans for you, and you just got to come spend some time with me. I'm, I'm going to lead you through these tough times, and it's not going to feel good, but I'm here. Right? So, Dane, what's the point? I mean, anyone and everyone in the world, whether they believe in God or not, can, can look up and recognize that, that somebody created it, if they want to. However, it's not until we spend time in his word that we're able to realize that you can count on God. It's not until we we open up God's word that we realize he's dependable. I think God's word is more value than we give it credit for, especially as Christians. But I, I don't think there's one believer who would say that God's word isn't important. The question is if we're leaning into it as we should. I mean, verse 10, and this is what I've been leading up to, is uh, it tells us why we need to be leaving in, leaning into God's word. This is what it says. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So think about what David is saying. He says, not only is God's word valuable, but it's sweet. The idea of, of gold, it, that it holds value, that it, it, it adds to your worth, like your net worth, right? That, that, that's the idea of gold. We need to approach God's word as if it adds to our worth. You know why? Because it does. Like, that you are better off. You are more valuable when you have consumed God's word in your life. And the idea of sweet as honey. Now, I'm going to tell on your pastor for a second. I, when I was talking to Pastor Bruno and preparing for this message, he's like, Dane, when you get to this part of the passage and you talk about honey, you just got to just like, you know, be like, man, honey tastes so good. And I was like, Pastor Bruno, I'm not a big sweet tooth guy, man. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can. How about you do this passage? Like, how about we just have a video of you just talking about this, this part of the verse? So I was like, so I was getting prepared for this. I was like, how can I do this like Pastor Bruno? So I said, okay. I'm not a big sweet tooth guy, and I'm sorry if this perpetuates the stereotype. I'm like, what is something that, that, that I care about, like he cares about, like sweet stuff? And that's Popeye's chicken. I, I ain't going to hold you. I'm not going to. That's me, right? 
like, 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 you know, and, and here's the thing. We moved to Baltimore, and I realized that Popeyes aren't good everywhere. Like, we, there's a Popeyes right by our house, and I was so excited because, you know, we didn't live that close to the Popeyes when we lived in Akakik. And I, we went, and they burned the chicken. It was horrible. It was the worst chicken. I, I thought I was in KFC. It was so bad. You know, and, and it was just terrible. But, man, the, the, the Popeyes in Clinton has never let me down. When I go to my mom's house now, that's always the, the stop. Not all the time. I'm healthy, guys. I'm trying to get weight down. It's okay. But when I get a chance and I feel good about myself, I go and get me some Popeyes. And when I taste that Popeyes, I don't know if you've ever tasted something so good that you have to close your eyes on it. You ever do that? You ever had that, a good enough crab cake when you just close your eyes and you just go somewhere else for a second? Somebody's talking to you at the table, and it's like, what would you say? Hold on real quick. And that's the idea, like, that something is so sweet and so satisfying that, that like, you know, that, it, it, that the experience and the feeling that you have is, is, is just, you know, it, it just takes you there. Let me tell you something. When we consume God's word and we see it working in our lives, this feeling and this experience is found when we allow God's word to come alive in us. The Bible is more valuable than anything the world has to offer. It's more valuable than honey. It's more valuable than gold. <laughs> it's more valuable than Popeye's chicken. Because it can provide what the world doesn't have to offer. I don't know about you, but has the world been able to offer you much in the last five months? Has it, how's that been working out for us? If you've been away from your word or maybe even plugged into something else like the news or your social media, you've probably found it hard to find of anything of value or, or of anything of uh, that, that is sweet like God's word. So the way we're going to respond to this message this morning is we're going we're gonna to trust the God of the universe because he's always been who we've been able to count on. We're, we're going to do this by trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior if we haven't already, or we're going to continue to be, be followers of him if you've already been a believer. And we're also going to do this by clinging to his word. And in, so, in doing so, receiving the value and the sweetness that it holds. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for the goodness and, and the sweetness and the value that your word holds. We thank you how you've revealed yourself in it. Um, God, it hasn't been an easy year. We've all faced it in different ways, but um, in some way, shape, or form, I'm, I'm sure everyone here and those watching on the, on, the, um, on the stream have felt it in some way, shape, or form. And God, my prayer is that we would use the tools to deal with it that you've already given us. Yes, we can pray for, for relief in, in specific ways to us, and, and, and you know the needs and the things that we desire. But we don't want to be people that, that, that tell the God of the universe how to solve our issues. But may we experience the value and the sweetness that is found in your word. May this be what we cling to, because you revealed yourself to us in here. May this be how we face the tough days ahead and the great days ahead. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with, with, with my brothers and sisters in faith. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.